One second, Lee. Can I ask you that question again? What? <laughs> um, because I, I just realised I really fucked that up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good the way I fixed it for you. <laughs> yeah. I was looking at it, I'm reading two questions at the same time. You're listening to Meet Katie on Lowering the Tone. Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of Lowering the Tone with me, Meet Katie. I'm really sorry for the delay in getting this episode out, but as many of you know, me and my girlfriend have recently had a baby, which has pretty much taken over our lives. But our son is here, little Arlo, and now I can get my head back into making some music, doing the podcast, DJing, and arguably doing what I do best. We have a bumper show ahead, two hours of music and chat, and I've got an interview with my good friend, Matt Goddard, a.k.a. Dopamine. So settle in.
give a shout to Attics and the guys at DV1 Club in Lyon in France. Um, I'm sorry I had to rush off uh, straight after my set, but I checked my phone and my girlfriend had gone into labour. I had about 25 minutes to get to the airport and get on the first plane back to London, which I, which I did. Um, but thanks for having me and I do apologise for just being in such a mad rush and all a little bit kind of crazy. listing you need to go to mekatie.com and hit subscribe and i will send you a track listing walking around like smiling every day I have we all have our ups and downs and our lefts and our rights and our diagonals you know but you know much more simple way to look at it is to remember that you deserve to be happy it's your natural born right
so nice to be back doing the podcast again. Uh, if you're interested in donating something to the show, head off to my Bandcamp page. It's uh, bandcamp.me, Casey. I have some down-tempo tracks up there, some mid-tempo tracks. Uh, you don't have to pay for them if you don't want to, but if you want to drop a few dollars, euros or pounds on them, it would be greatly appreciated. And all of the profits go towards subsidising this show, paying for the bandwidth and crap like that. Um, so give generously. Okay, upwards and onwards with the music.
played recently, you'll know this track. This has been going down an absolute storm every time I've played it. Check it out. Welcome to the party. Relax your body. Relax your body. 
Relax your soul. Bodies in motion. Welcome to the party. Something I need to give a mention to is we're doing a remix competition, a Lot 49 remix competition. It's a track that myself and Dylan Rhymes have done called If I Can't Have You. It's actually called If I Can't Have You, I Will Kill You. <laughs> but we've shortened it. Uh, if you head over to my band camp, all the parts are available up there. The winner of this competition will feature on our 10-year anniversary album. And that'll be coming out later in the year. You'll be featured alongside all your favourite Lot 49 artists. It's a big release for us, so it's quite a prestigious thing to be part of. Well, I think it is. As I mentioned before, if you like any music that you're listening to, head off to meetkatie.com and hit subscribe and you'll be added to the mail out where you will receive a track listing for this show. interview with Matt Goddard aka Dopamine at the back end of the show I think I've got a little bit more techno to play here and then um, we're going to toughen things up even more
meet Katie on Lowering the Tone.
You're listening to Meet Katie on Lowering the Tone. Thank you. 
listening to Lowering the Tone. Yes, I am hell and real deep. 
possibility on lowering the tone. give a shout to Sam and Georgie from the Sound Fear crew who I had the pleasure of hanging out with a few weeks back thanks for your hospitality guys really appreciated uh, my good mate Kenny from uh, Kakubri in Scotland um, sorry it's taken me so long to give you a shout mate also DJ Sun from Lithuania uh, congratulations on the birth of Artyom your latest arrival to your family
silence out. <laughs> yeah, <it> was... <laughs> regular listeners to this show you should have a rough idea of the format by now but those of you that don't I'm going to drop things down for a little while before my interview remember if you like any of the music that you've heard head over to my website meetkatie.com and hit subscribe and you will receive a track listing Thank you. 
selection there's a few shows I need to plug you can catch me on the 7th of June in Lithuania I'm playing a special boat party then later on in June on the 21st I'm playing at the Aesthetic Evolution Festival in Boise Idaho I'll be playing alongside Dylan Rhymes Dopamine Head Flux Deep Child and James Harcourt amongst others I'm really looking forward to that event 
my Facebook page for details. will be greatly appreciated whether it's on Facebook on Twitter on SoundCloud or even as simple as just leaving a comment on iTunes if you can hit the rate button that really helps (laughs) so if you enjoy the show just uh, get behind it Thank you. 
many thanks to everyone that made it out to the Dangerous Drums Party at Tresor in Berlin a few weeks back. Thank you very much. I feel extremely blessed to have such a great residency alongside Ed2000, Vela and Stefan, Mr. Rolling Thunder, and the original Tracer legend that is Tanif. It's always a pleasure DJing with you guys. Talking of Berlin, I managed to meet up with my good friend Rob Jones from Producer Tech. Uh, we filmed an interview in his studio. The full-length interview is available at producertech.com. Please bear in mind I hadn't had much sleep. It had been a pretty heavy weekend show-wise, so don't expect too much. <laughs> okay, we've got a little bit of time left. I've got a few more tracks, and then we're going to get into it with Matt Dopamine. Thank you. 
moment if you don't like your job freaking change it you don't like your relationship change it you don't like what your business is change it you don't like how you feel change it we forget the power of decision we forget we can draw a line in the sand and say no effing more about anything we've experienced in the past
enjoyed that a deeper selection let's get into this interview with Matty Dopamine exclusive <laughs> I'd like to welcome um, Matt Goddard aka Dopamine to um, lowering the tone hello Matt hello Mark how you doing I'm good thank you for coming down uh, um, anytime I know it's a bit of a stretch is um Everyone has to come out to suburbia to do this show. Deepest, darkest Surbiton. Yeah. I had, um, I had, funny enough, I had uh, Lee, Lee Rouse came over last week. and um, I always thought it was Ruse. Uh, Ruse. No, Rouse, I think. Rouse. Yeah. Really? R-O-U-S. Should get him back and ask him. Yeah. And um, when, he, he messaged me on the train. He said, oh, apparently there's something happened at Surbiton um, and I'm going to be here for about an hour. And it was already late and somebody chucked himself off the... Uh, the platform and um, he, had, he got rerouted so his journey ended up taking him about two hours just from central london it's only a 20 minute trip yeah 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 uh, wow yeah so um, how inconvenient i know that's what i said yeah. people huh <laughs> <laughs> right so where should we start i guess um should we start on the early days or should we start on what you're doing now what do you think matt uh start at the beginning i guess yeah um well, you're from Sydney, and you now yep. live in London, obviously. But yep. um, I know that you started off in techno. Uh, yep, kind of. <laughs> Never actually released anything. All oh, right, but that or, was your first. Or played many gigs or anything, but that was definitely what I first started writing and DJing. Your first love in electronic music. Yes. And then, um, basically, you'd done a track for TCR, Hold You. Yep was a runaway success this is where i first heard of you yeah um tell me a little bit about that um well just not not long prior to that i'd started uh writing a little bit of breaks with a friend of mine uh damien osborne and in sydney and kind of started feeling some of the some of the music i was uh just kind of experimenting with you know like new sounds and stuff and um, and then we started playing live and DJing a bit of breaks and stuff and then started getting a few gigs and everything and uh, was getting starting to get into it and then um, yeah and then I wrote that Hold You track <laughs> 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 and, that, and that was it and I was like a breaks DJ and a breaks producer was that, was that when, um, when, when you wrote that track? Because um, Australia was just huge for breaks. Was, was that the period to where it was really... I think it was dying down a bit. It was, it was really, calming big, down a bit. really big in like 2001. Well, the funky breaks became very popular quickly. And yeah. Then, and then um, the more sort of deep... I, I say progressive, but it, I don't know if progressive is the right... Te- sort of tech funk is probably a better term. Yeah. That sort of came afterwards a little bit more yeah. sort of deeper, a bit more sort of substance to that's, it. I think that's when I sort of came into it. Yeah, because that's, um, that's when I got given Hold You and I was like, this yeah. is great. You know? Oh, cool. That was a good track. Thank you. Um, yeah, I remember when R- Rennie gave it to me because we were doing Hum in the UK yeah. at that time. So, it, you know, we, we it was a, that was a real classic at our night. Um, which was, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, it was a warehouse party. So that track just yeah. suited that environment. That was also one of my first gigs in the UK. Oh, was it? Was at Hum, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, did I meet you then? Or did I know you before I then? I don't think you were there. No, I oh. didn't meet you till a lot later. I remember meeting you at Chinese Laundry in Sydney. I think I met you yeah, first time. It was your Sydney. birthday. 
Yeah. It was and your, I, think, I was playing in the cave. And you were playing in the cave and then I had to leave and go and play at home. That's nightclub right. Nightclub. Yeah. And kind of wish I hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember. That was a good Great, po- great gig. Yeah, <laughs> the Chinese Laundry, it was, um, that was real good times down there, you know, when it was heaving. Yeah, was, I remember there was more tickets sold than they could actually fit in the club. Yeah. in the- And there was a lot of people outside and you – if you got a ticket, you're allowed in the cave. And if you only had a stamp, you're only allowed in the other room. Oh, really? <laughs> and there was like a queue of people with tickets trying to get into the cave. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, it was busy. It did feel busy. Yeah. I, um, just, I just don't think, I'm, just, I'm not sure if they were expecting it. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. that they oversold it or did anything purposely bad. You know what I mean? It wasn't badly promoted or anything. It was just a huge... Turn success out. of full yeah. night, nothing, you know. Yeah, because yeah. I remember next time I went back there, they wanted me in the other room and I was like, oh, but I like the cave. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think it's going to work in the cave tonight. Um, and I, I played with you that night. Yeah. Yeah, I played with you yeah, that yeah. night. Yeah, you're, you're on the same line. And Carl came over from, uh, Carl Sav came oh, over from uh, Perth. That was quite a funny story. Because yeah. I played at the Ambar the night before. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. And um, took a bunch of people that I'd met that night. With me, yeah. Are we interviewing you? <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> Shit. We were talking about. We were talking about. <laughs> yeah, continue, but sorry, <laughs> I'm hijacking my own guest. <laughs> yeah, Let's talk more about me. So, um, how so do you yeah, feel about me? No, we, were, <laughs> we were talking about how I met you when I met you, yeah, yeah. Um, and so so when you <laughs> so when you wrote. Um, Hold you. What I was trying to get out is that was was that sound a popular sound in the city you lived, or was or, the sound or, or, of that track or that yeah track? that that the no that sound that that track the the genre that that because that was more sort of tech was, breaks was very, that wasn't really funky breaks. I think the techiest people were generally prepared to go was like finger licking right. plump DJs that sort of stuff. I mean, there were some really good techie tracks on finger licking. Yeah, I think, yeah, but yeah. I think the the biggest success was like Crafty Cuts and right. A Skills and 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 Plump DJs as well. They were huge, yeah. In and Australia, then everything yeah. else was kind of like, as long as it was associated with something similar to that, did really well as well. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but I wouldn't say it was a flash in the pan. But Breaks was like huge in two thousand one. Kind of hang on, hung on, hung around till. 2005-ish, 2006, and then it was kind of over, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, just had its day. Well, I suppose every genre comes and goes and makes a resurgence. Yeah, but that was such yeah. a huge runaway success, I guess similar to what's happened with what happened with Dubstep. Yeah, yeah, I guess there is some well, uh, similarities <laughs> between, well, well between, <laughs> between dubstep and, and breaks, you know, with the sort of the way that it, it's blew up. But I'd, I'd say that dubs, dubstep hasn't endured so long as what breaks did. Yeah. Breaks was definitely. But it also didn't do that thing that breaks did where it completely, everything segregated. Yeah. Like if you went to a breaks night in London, it was only one type of breaks. After yes. a certain amount of time, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you'd go to a tear-out party or you'd go to a funky breaks party and there wasn't much, like the artist that played one party wouldn't be playing the other party. And it for such a small scene, it kind of completely scattered the crowd, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and there was definitely a kind of um, 
a, a sort of backlash against funks, funky breaks in in the UK. I don't think it was so severe anywhere else in the world. But in the UK, you had, you know, where where a lot of breaks was kind of made around 130, 132, sort of 134. And then, then you had a, a style of breaks that edged up to 138, 140, yeah. you know, and then there was, there was a gap. There was a big gap between those DJs. Yeah, and, definitely. Um, and most notable, you'd see these parties like the tear-out parties, you know, really working well on sort of big arenas like in Spain, in Russia. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas whereas the sort of funky element could kind of work anywhere, really, because it's less offensive. Reminds me of the gig that we played in Spain. <laughs> Which one? The, the, the one that where you played Miles Dyson on 142 <laughs> BPM. <laughs> Everything on plus eight. Everything, yeah. The, they, and the Spanish kids like it super fast. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't really matter as long as it's fast. Mm. Um, and... And big breakdowns. Big, massive breakdowns. Yeah. yeah. Hard work, Spain. I've got to be honest, is um, southern Spain, that is, not northern Spain, because like Madrid and Barcelona are full of some great shows. But as soon as you hit, you know, Granada or um, Seville or, you know, Cadiz, Cadiz, I can't pronounce it. Around Andalusia. Andalusia. Valencia. As soon as you head off down to southern Spain, you know, they're big arena shows and it is all about the build-ups, breakdowns, that people aren't interested in any substance. The music. Yeah, the actual music part of it. Um, that's, just a, that's just a gap in between the next build-up or the next breakdown. Yeah, yeah. But anyway... Um, Let's move on. Um, so, with the success of Hold You, you you set up your own, well, you set up a label with Klaus Hill, Title Fight, or yeah, not long after. So, um, Hold You obviously went on to win the Breaks Pole Award and everything. Award and winning, award winning producer. Nice, uh, yeah. Um, and for a debut release, that was a big deal because I think if, even if I'd had like a string of releases before that and then won maybe people would be like expecting it or wouldn't be yeah. such a surprise. The fact that I, my first release was that is kind big, of what yeah. a big deal for me and for, you know. Well, also is that when that one, there was a, there's a lot of credibility in, um, in um, Breaks Pole as, a, as, an, as an entity. I'm not saying there isn't now. I'm just saying that then, back then, yeah. that's when Breaks was actually a very hot genre worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's when... You know, breaks pole. When you run an award at breaks pole, it actually meant something. Whereas, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm not saying it doesn't now. It's just that um, there's a little bit of you know winds taken out of that. So really, you know, yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I haven't really followed it recently, so I'm not too. Well, I think I think it's the. <sighs> Should I be careful what I say? Or should I just say it? I, <laughs> just um, do what you normally do. Just say it. <laughs> uh, I, I feel that I feel that the breaks pole is real kind of a bit of a back patting exercise for finger licking management who represent dub pistols and you know crafty carts, A skills. Da, da, da. So I think, and it's run by them now. You know they promote breaks. Oh really? Yeah, they promote breaks pole. Yeah, right. Yeah, as a as a. So promoter. it's kind of a big advertising campaign. It does look that way. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying, I'm sure that some people will disagree with that, but um, from an outsider's point of view, it does feel that way. That um, The lineups are very similar, you know, decline, you know. The, the same people, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of these guys, it's just that it does feel a little bit of a boys club now. Okay. 
Um, whereas back when Hold You won, it was a bit of a free-for-all and there was a lot of competition to get those awards, whereas yeah. there's less competition to to win a, an award now, you know, yeah. because, you know, when it says best DJ, it's only going to be either Stanton's, Crafty, yeah. Freestylers. So it's like there's kind of maybe one of sort of five acts it could be. Whereas back then, you know, each ward, each ward, there was probably 20 contenders for each award. Yeah. It's funny, um, two years after I won that award, I got, well, I played, I played there three times. Um, and the third time I played there, uh, I played all house music. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and it went down fine. I, I think um, there's bass, a bit of a myth. <laughs> well, Bass Clef once said to me something that I've always remembered. He said, if you don't, if you don't tell them it's breaks, they'll dance to it, and that's in a standard sort of club. The same is kind of works in reverse. Yeah. If you don't tell them that it's not breaks, oh. they'll they'll keep dancing as long as the music's good. So the the you know the genre purists and all that sort of stuff. I mean, say what you want, but good music's good music, and when, when it's banging out on a function one in room two in fabric, no one's going to turn around and say, "Hold on a second. I'm not going to dance to this unless dance it's, to this. unless in, they're not feeling it, you know. Yeah. And and if it if it all makes sense in a set, yeah. you know, is that you know you you can play techno quite comfortably alongside breaks. Oh, if, yeah. Easy. I've easy. seen Bayo Binga do it. Yeah, it works. You know, um, and it's all about kind of programming and selection. You know, and any, any DJ worth their salt, you know, that can string together a decent mix can get away with playing multi-genres you know but still be billed as a certain sound you know I, you know even people like umek um you know when i first met umek in in australia he i said to him what do you play and he said i play techno and breaks <laughs> and I, I was like really you know and then when i heard him play it's like there was a lot of kind of broken elements in his set and it was and that's when there was a real shuffly techno and it was banging but he was right. He did play some breaks in his set, yeah. but you know, that he was, and he still is a very famous techno DJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if I said to anyone, oh, you know, I've heard him play breaks, I mean, no, no, you haven't. I, I know what I heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you look at early like Timo Mass stuff, a lot of that yeah. was breaks. He used to release, um, he released a CD years ago. It was like two CD, one was all breaks and one was all techno. Yeah, was that on? Perfect. Oh, Probably. I think, oh, yeah, yeah. It's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's, it's the same as like um, Anthony Roffa. If you've heard oh, Anthony, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, he can put his hand up and go, oh, I play electro. Is that everyone would think he plays like EDM. He, he doesn't. It's, it's you know, but it's not Miami bass. It's like, it, it's techno with, with the original old school electro bass, but yeah, it still yeah, yeah. sounds new. It still yeah. sounds, sounds fresh as a sound. Well, he was... One of his tracks, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. I wish I'd thought about this. Wish I'd thought about this previously. Um, there's a track of his. I think it's called "Coming Home." I'm not sure. It's yes, a really old track. I think you're right. I think it is. That was my inspiration for "Hold You." Oh, really? Like, there's like, there's the there's a bass line in it, and it's just like a simple, just the note just holds like a sawtooth. Yeah baseline and it just holds and just plays a few different notes and i just liked how it was just this static thing in the track it didn't have any movement it didn't have any filter on it didn't have a huge amount of sub or anything it was just this like grinding noise that just held 
static through the track. Right. I just really like that, and that's when I started playing around with. And the the, the baseline in Hold You is like arguably the thing that it draws everyone yeah, to it, it's, and it's yeah. the simplest, easiest thing. I literally just went, oh, duh, 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 done. Two seconds, <laughs> no processing, no nothing. And it's the, the one thing that came together quickest in the whole track. Well, a lot of people say that the, the, the most successful tracks that they write are the simplest. But yeah. it's, it's harder. When you learn more as a producer, as, a, as an artist, you, you want to exercise the stuff you've learned. Yeah. But some of the stuff you disregard is the stuff that people yeah. buy into. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think it, it's... How can I describe it? It's like a age-old story of like back in the rave days you know people when they used to when people could, would have to hire a studio to make a piece of music it was yeah. like 200 pound a day 250 a day you know where this is before you know producers could have formed their own studios yeah it's when you'd have to go into a recording studio but you go in and they would have a prodigy record and go, oh, i want these stabs i want this break in there and what they would do is just make the most honest thing where you go this will work in a club this massive build up this and they would write a tune in in two days that's a hit yeah Whereas, you know, you, you think about it now, it's, it's almost works against you having too much time Definitely, to yeah. keep going back. And also is that you, you take out all the elements because you're trying to be clever, you're trying to be good as, a, as, a, as an artist... But what happens is you're not you're not right you're not writing very accurate music to what you like. You're making yeah. stuff that fits in to a genre. But the stuff that's big is it's actually there's a there's a formula that you can actually go well. I need this kind of bassline. I need this kind of vocal and this kind of that. And it, you put all those elements in one track, you can have a hit. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, um, hold you took two days from beginning to end to write, and then. All the tracks that I've done since then, like which have been loads of them, um, it's always the ones that I do in like under a week yeah. that are most successful to play and that people enjoy and that I keep playing in my sets and the stuff that I labor over and essentially overproduce yeah. become stale because I've, for, to me anyway, because I've heard it so many billions of times while I was writing it and heard it so many different ways that. Occasionally, you'll even go out and play it and go, "Oh, I got the wrong version." Yeah, <laughs> so that's not the final mix, you know. Yeah, because you got, got so many versions. You got fifteen different copies on your on your hard drive labeled "final." That you have final one, final, final two, two yeah. final, final, <laughs> definitely final. This is the new final, you know. Like it's, it, it, yeah. it gets ridiculous, you know. And you never want to delete the old one just in case you go out and play the new final and it, it doesn't quite good, sound yeah. as good as the final one point two, you know. <laughs> um, so. Talking about um, um, title fight, let's go back to yeah. title fight. Um, it was with Klaus Hill, yeah, who'd moved to Sydney. Is that right? Or was he still in the UK when you? No, nah, he working? moved to Sydney. Um, he'd met uh, his now wife, who he's just had a kid with as well. Um, Poppy. Poppy. Poppy, Poppy Hill. Yeah, Poppy Hill, lovely, very patient woman. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but yeah, we struck up a partnership friendship um at first i was just um just writing tracks and just sending to him and he was into it so putting him out this is back when we we're still doing vinyl as well and then um and then he sort of brought me in as partner and uh, i was doing helping do a little bit of the running of the label and stuff as well and um yeah that i mean that went well for a while and then i think Klaus just started um, 
he was kind of getting over breaks before I was and then he started shifting towards doing a lot of house and stuff, which he is start, fine. He started working for ministry. He was he, doing a lot yeah, of stuff for ministry. He was doing releases with ministry. He was also doing a lot of like production work, ghost producing, um, mix downs, mastering, all that stuff. But he put a lot of money into his studio as well. So, you know, he's got he's got the good room. He's got a good room. He's got great ears. He's got great kit, and he's just very good at what he does. So. Yeah, he knows how to do it, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. And he knows. <laughs> he knows how to polish a turd. So, <laughs> so working for ministry is perfect. <laughs> Your words, not mine. Um, nice pair. <laughs> um, no, but he is, he's really good at that. So he, he a lot of his time was taken up with that. And then um, I was – I wouldn't say I was left to run the label, but – Neither of us were, I think, putting enough effort into it and then it kind of just became a just sort of became a secondary thing. Um, we had a few good releases. But yeah. then we also decided to switch to uh, MP3s from vinyl. Uh, Klaus wanted to be sort of an early adopter and, you know, didn't want to be seen to be like uh, following trends. He, he always wanted to try and start trends or, you know, jump, not jump on a bandwagon, but like start the bandwagon. Be there early. Yeah, yeah, exactly, which is, you know, really commendable. Um, but unfortunately, as soon as we switched from vinyl, there's just there's just no money in it anymore, you know. <clears throat> well, the income is, yeah. is it's, it's about, it's not, I'd say it's about a quarter. Yeah, the thing, the thing with... being generous. Yeah. Quarter. Well, the thing with the vinyl is that it was always a risk. Um, you know, if you didn't sell them all or, you know, if it wasn't that popular, then, you know, you could stand to lose a fair chunk of change, you know. Yeah. And also with uh, Intergroove going down around that time as well, a lot of labels getting put out. Yeah, I was with Intergroove as yeah, well. And yeah, and a lot of labels lost a lot of money and there was like uh, real issues there. So, you know, we didn't want to get stuck in that. And then, but the problem is as soon as you remove the risk, you kind of, you remove the the possibility of making any real money out of it as well. So, you know, if you want to have it safe, then yeah. you can't have it both ways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, so I lost a ton of money when, um, well, I say a ton of money. I lost about 10 grand when, when in the groove, it nearly sunk lot 49. Um, and I know a lot, it's kind of where finger licking actually crashed, weren't it really? Because they got, yeah, they, they had a lot I think of money. they would. Yeah, I heard, I, I heard rumors of some labels being in like anywhere from 50 to 100 grand. Yeah, I would imagine finger licking would so, have been in deep. That's a huge, huge loss. You know, and it's hard to come back from that. Yeah. You know, especially when you're banking on that, and especially when you've got to pay the artists their, their share and you're waiting for those checks to come in and they don't materialize. Mm -hmm. You know, unfortunately, it's like. You know, it depends on the artist, depends, I guess, how their relationship is with the label. It's just this. Back then, you could live quite comfortably on releasing vinyl. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. You know? I mean, I I did, I think, four or five, well, I think about four years comfortably um, just releasing music, doing remixes, and DJing. Yeah. And I could pay the rent. I don't, you know, I wasn't, not, didn't, wasn't a superstar. I didn't have a nice car or anything. You know, I just, I could live you know pay my rent in a flat and happy days and then yeah and then that <laughs> all just and digital only yeah yeah and then nothing and then the other thing too is i mean when people were making money from leases then they could also pay money for a remix 
yeah. you know, and then we used to get paid for remixes. And now I, I think the last five remixes I've done have just been someone's asked me for to remix something and I've done it and there's been no, no, uh, no deal, no question of money, no nothing. It's just yeah. you just did a remix of someone just to get your name out there. Well, I think a, a remixes now, it's become a bit of currency. I, I, I tend to swap a lot of remixes with people um, because I'd like them on the package that I, I'm releasing and, yeah. and vice versa, I guess, you know. So there's a little bit of a currency in in the swap market. Yeah. Um, so you kind of do get paid if they they put in a good remix and and it's a kind of equally like um, profile mix. Someone's yep. on your level, yep, or, sure. you know. And then then it's kind of will of the gods, really. The, the kind of people you want to swap a remix with uh, are the ones that you know are going to put their back into it, yep. try and deliver something good. So so it, it you know it's got potential. Whereas um, you know, I there's a few mixes that I've swapped. Um, it hasn't worked that way, you know. I always try my hardest, and then when it when it's released, you you tend to promote it as hard as you can through your channels. But um, but as a rule, you know, the days of making money from remixes are pretty much over. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a few unless you're David Getter or something like that. Uh, I don't <laughs> know. Um, Alex Metric still gets gets pop remixes. You know, he's kind of got a good manager. You know, so I guess it depends on the circles you're yeah, you're yeah. moving in, um, and we're not moving in the right circles, no. I guess. I think the um, the Breakfaster lads do quite well now with the pop remixes. I can imagine, um, but they've always had a manager involved that's had a really good um, connections with pop music. Right. Um, when when they were doing Breakfasters, they had a side project that was doing R and B. At the time, anyway, and yeah. it was there. It was that's where they're making, you know, proper money. Yeah, yeah. Breakfasters was their little side thing that they used to go out and have a laugh with, and bit get you know, kind of getting amongst it with. But um, yeah, do you know what? I haven't caught up with them for a long time. Um, but yeah, you know, I well, I can imagine Tom that asked how to cook a steak, wasn't it? On Facebook. Oh, was it? Yeah. All right, we we'll get to the Facebook questions. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so then, so then um, you moved to the UK, I guess. I know yeah. we're jumping a little bit, but because there was a, a quite a big time with Title Fight, obviously. But you know, yeah. sort of um, when that when that kind of stopped, then it, what was it time to move, or um, or did you have your sights on the UK for a while? Because you used to come here quite regularly, anyway. Yeah, I used to come here like you're half English, aren't you? Your dad's yeah, English. my dad's English. Yeah, yeah, so I got a passport. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, the title fight thing went well for a while. Also did quite a lot uh, with um, Vacation, Bass Clef's label. That's right, yeah. Had a couple of really successful remixes for that. And that one of the remixes I did for him, the Bump Uglies remix, um, sort of peaked a few ears like in the States. Like that sort of then got me remixes with guys like Dave Ord, uh, DJ Dan. Yeah, and, in stereo was you're talking about this yeah, before and, um, we started recording. <laughs> uh, what's his name? John Aquaviva, yep. Oliver Gokamoto, those guys remixed yeah. all those guys over Big time. Big players, yeah, and um, that was that went well, and that was kind of like I was sort of I was being tempted by other sounds that weren't breaks. Um, that was when I was kind of doing 
it's kind of electro, but not really. It was quite techy sort of electro, like and sort of minimally tech, sort of, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was doing a bit of that sort of stuff. That's probably around the same time when I did the release for Lot 49 yeah. as well. Because I was really enjoying your sound at that time. That was very much where I was at. It was kind of, it was, it was techno elements, but with a lot of guts to it, yeah, you yeah. know. Um, and kind of low slung yeah. bass lines and stuff like that. Yeah, that was that was, a, that was quite a nice period when um, this is kind of pre um, electro house becoming EDM. This is when electro yeah, house, yeah. you know, people like Teagle were electro house. And, yeah, yeah. You know, not far off. You know, people like Mandy were electro house. You know, yeah. and also like even like the really early like Dead Mouse's early stuff before he blew up and before yeah. he did like all the pro- progressive house stuff and what well, a carbon community still is a fantastic yeah, tune yeah Absolutely stuff like fantastic. that and there's this um he did this one remix I can't remember the name of it now but he's this really housey break breaky techno thing that I, I wish I had the name of it um but it was like that was a staple in my sets for for years and no one no one knew it it was like one of his remixes it just went completely under the radar I can't even remember the name of it but right. <laughs> great track you know and there's loads of that sort of like it was still a genre that people were ex- there wasn't a set sound yet people were coming from all different genres and there was this big melting pot yep. of you know this, I remember even saying to you once you asked me what section are we going to put this track in on Beatport? And I said, well, just put all of it in Electro House and yep. it'll sell. Yeah. So we did. We put the whole thing in Electro House and it sold. Yeah. And because now if you try to do that, people listen to it and go, that's not Electro House. Yeah. That has to go in category B of this and that and whatever. Yeah, and as soon as you start mixing up a package, that's when you start getting less attention. Yeah. If, you, if you release a package and it's all breaks, it will get featured in the break section. Yeah. you down to sell some. But, you know, as if... If you have like say like four tracks on a release and it's all techno, and you have one track that sits in um, electro house, they won't feature it in techno. They yeah. won't put it in the genre yeah. it, as as a featured release. Yeah. It really sucks. It yeah. really sucks. That's why it. And obviously, you know those features on Beatport are important to sell music. Yeah, because if you're not racked up, it's like a supermarket. If you're not at eye level. You can easily go under the radar. Yeah, you know, definitely. The end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, thanks. <laughs> I don't know where we're going after that. Right. Oh yeah, uh, and then, I, then I moved to London. <laughs> <clears throat> so now you're living in London. Yeah. So moved over here with kind of loose. Uh, plans and ideas of um, I've never been that great with the whole forward thinking thing and like setting myself goals that I stick to I generally generally just kind of have a rough idea of what I want to do and just kind of run with it and just hope for the best right. um, sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't so um, yeah moved over here um, had great support from yourself and some other friends of mine. You came Jeff. and lived here for a couple of weeks yeah. while I was away. Yeah, came and lived here with you and then uh, went and lived with some other friends, Justin, Justin and Mary, um, who, you know, without you guys, just never would have been able to do it. It's just so difficult getting easy, over here. and easy transition to arrive yeah. and have some familiar faces. Yeah, yeah. It's just, just really, it's a hard city. 
to just arrive and you can't get a phone, you can't get a flat, you can't get anything because you don't have any credit history and it's just it's tough. So it took a little while to sort of get on our feet and obviously first thing I had to do was get a job and I'm, I'm a chef by trade. Yeah. So I uh, walked into a restaurant in Borough Market, which I, I love Borough Market, and got this job and... It's just been, it it's actually been amazing. Like I really, really, really enjoy it. Well, it takes just, up all my time. Well, the, the, <laughs> the, fun, the funny thing is that I, I actually saw a lot of you around the time that you you moved over. Um, and I remember speaking to you and you said, I went for this job that I really wanted and they never got back to me. And I, yeah. I'd done a day's trial for them and it went really well. And they love me, and no, they've not called me then. It turned out they'd lost your number. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and they did want you. They just didn't know how to get in yeah, touch yeah. with you. And then when I finally rang them, like, uh, kind of with my backup to say, you know, "What's going on? Why haven't you called me?" And they're like, "Oh, so glad you called." <laughs> <laughs> so you've been, so you've been, um, like I know this, and, my, and all your friends know this that you're a fantastic chef. Everybody knows this. Um, for those that don't know is um just check out your facebook you're always posting um pictures of your dishes food porn it is it's it's your facebook page is like a food blog in it you know yeah pretty much you know so um but yeah head over to what is it uh is it uh, it's just matt goddard in it uh, page, yeah it's matt goddard yeah yeah yeah. Uh, head over to his facebook page to check out some of his photos of some of the dishes they they are phenomenal um so with the chef in i guess um it it's had to push music onto a bit of a back burner to some extent yeah it has mainly due to just time restraints um i mean as a chef you do a full day is about 14 hours and (laughs) and a half day is eight hours and you i never do under 50 hours a week um and it can be in excess of 60 for for an average week so yeah you Pull a lot of hours. Don't get to see my girlfriend. Well, now, yeah, I don't get to say s- now. Yeah, pull that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not an announcement. <laughs> um, so yeah, don't get to see Jem uh, that much as nowhere near as much as I should. Um, but the, also the music thing, yeah, it's just had to get pushed time. back. It's just time management. It's just really difficult. Um, but, you know, get as much as I can done. So what are you working on music-wise? Uh, you've done a release, re- you've recently released on Def Proof. Yeah, Death. well, I've just started doing, I, I've given the dopamine thing a little bit of a break. I haven't killed it off, but I've started really, um, writing and releasing under my own name. Yeah. Um, just to try something new and just to kind of keep it fresh and, yeah. you know, um, well, you featured on our hundredth release, yeah, um, which we absolutely love. You oh, know? Cool. Like, that's the sound that we we've come to expect from you, and people genuinely have moved with you on that kind of tough techno, yeah, um, with arrangement. It's kind of it's, it's slightly different because you under Matt Goddard is it's straight up techno, yeah, yeah, definitely. Whereas the dopamine is techno influenced. I'd say is, is that fair? Uh, yeah, it's kind of like techno but influence with that kind of the structure that you would write a break track with you know like it's got more of a traditional song structure if that makes sense um yeah like more transitions more things happening more regularly and 
edits and all that sort of stuff and yeah. big breakdowns and moments. Yeah. Uh, whereas the yeah the the newer stuff the um, well not newer but you know the the other stuff uh, the Mac Goddard stuff is more just really stripped back. Um, it's more a lot of it's more production based where you everything in there like you're creating every sound from scratch and yeah. trying to build up like a soundscape kind of thing and. I don't know, and just kind of at the same time not get too caught up in that and try not to overproduce something right. while making something that's completely based on production. <laughs> and, and going around in circles. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I can imagine how that would do you, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I really enjoy it and it's something that I've always I've always liked. I mean, if you look, look back at the massive record collection that I left in Sydney and it's all – Old Chris Liebing, Speedy J yeah. records, and um, you know it's all just really loopy, loopy stuff. You know, because but before you left, you were you a resident at Church Techno in Sydney, or uh, you were playing no, there regularly? I, pl- weren't I you? played, I played there a couple of times. Right, because that was a real that was a real moment in yeah. in Sydney's techno scene as well. Yeah, that was big. That was really, yeah. and it was such like really cool guys running at Tayland and. Uh, Sheps. Oh, I met Sheps. Yeah. 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 I played fucking, for them guys. Fucking lovely guys. Well, Tayland lives over here now. Oh, really? Yeah. We'll have to catch up. Yeah. Um, Sheps. Well, we was... keep meaning to catch up and it's just <laughs> working as a chef is just it's difficult. Well, every, it? the thing is, I don't get my rotor for the next week until like sometimes Sunday night. Well, we lucked out with today. I think I messaged you on Saturday and you went, yeah. let's do it Monday. Yeah. And it was just right time that you came over here because I've been trying to get you to do this this podcast for how long weeks months yeah yeah before Christmas yeah um so yeah so um had a had some releases on Frequencer um had a release on Death Proof as well um which I'm really feeling both those labels. Yeah, Death Proof have really come, really come leaps and bounds in the last year. They've all the releases. I mean, I, I get very excited about. I know there's something on each package I'm going to be into. And, yeah, and um, visually fantastic. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Matthew Miles is a yeah, genius when it comes really, to artwork. Really, really good artist. And yeah, it's, it's they they've. they've they their brand is strong, strong yeah, image definitely. image wise, and um, the sounds now, you know, equaling the the brand visually. So, yeah, um, I, I'm expecting good things from that label. You know? Yeah, and they they don't mind taking a chance on something that they really like as well. Yeah, um, like I've just done a remix for them, and I'm, it's, the whole thing's in triplets, and it's a, oh really? It's a banging techno track in triplets, which most DJs probably won't play. Hard work mixing triplets. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, it's, you, you do the that thing where there's a bit of an intro and a bit of an outro, yeah. so you can't mix it. Yeah, it but then you're kind of stuck with that track while it plays without being able to mix out of it, yeah. which is going to be an issue for a lot of people. If uh, they're either going to edit it to make it shorter, or they're going to play it, or they're not, just not. So yeah. it's just one of those things. But the, the Death Proof guys, they loved it, and they just said, "Yeah." Into it, let's do Fantastic. it. So, what was the name of the release? Do you know the name? Uh, of the it's by a guy um, called Diction, right? Who I ha- must admit I haven't heard of before, but they sent me four tracks of his to choose to remix, and they're all really strong. Really? Yeah. So, I, to be honest, I haven't looked into who he is or where he's from or anything, but 
great sound. Yep. Um, sounds sounds like a seasoned producer, but I'm sure he's just he's maybe some Who young knows? guy that's just got four killer tracks just ready to go. So yeah, I put put my heart and soul into it. The, the track that I picked had a strange little off kilter triplet lead sound in part of the track, and I just took that and just revolved the whole remix just around that little triplet thing and. It's another one of those tracks that it came together in two, two or three days, and something that I, I really, really like. Even compared to stuff that I've been doing recently, I think it's like one of the stronger oh, cool. things I've done. So, what's that, what's that, so the name of the track? Is do you know name? Uh, well, will it be on the Diction? Um, remix it'll be package? on. Yeah, it'll be on his on his release. I can't. I'm not sure of the name of the right, track because. Okay. Um, but it's on Death Proof, so we keep going to be on Death Proof. Yeah. yeah. Wicked. So yeah. the new stuff, you tra- trapeze. Is this and one? yeah? There's a. I've signed a release to trapeze two track EP, two track single. Oh, wicked. Um, wicked! I've got a remix coming from a guy called Drum Complex. Yes, love Drum Complex. He's doing a lot of stuff with Rolls. Yeah, Sal- I played. Salmonic. I played one of his tracks yeah. the night I saw you last. Really week. good up yeah. and coming guy. Um, really feeling his stuff. Um, so he was he was keen to get on board. Like he really liked the track that I sent him. So he's working on that, and <clears throat> still got to get a remix done for the other for the other one. But uh, I mean, that's not coming out till June, so there's plenty of time to get to tear, sort, tear sort. out re- remix something. Yeah, some more baseline lead. Yeah, maybe Stan Warriors. I don't know. If I had Dom's a big fan of mine. So oh, is he? Yeah, <laughs> big fan of mine as well. Yeah. Hi, Dom. Hi. <laughs> He's definitely listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think Stan or is be listening to the show. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, but, but, <laughs> but I've also got history with trapeze anyway. So I mean, I've re- you've re- I've, done a remix, yeah? Yeah. So deep, I've remixed Deep Child a couple of times. Um, one of which was really successful. Um, Backroom remix, yeah, that did really, really well. Um, that was a good remix. A really good remix. Thank you. Um, I've remixed uh, Matador on there as well, and I've also remixed another guy, Apple Scale, but that was on their Traum. Right. There's, I, think, I think there's three or four labels. There's Trapeze, Trapeze Limited, Traum, and it's all under Traum Shell Platin. Okay. So it's like a family of labels all under one label. But it, the whole thing's run by this guy, Riley Reinhold. Okay. He's a lovely guy, and he's just he's been a fan of my stuff. And um, when I... When I was actually working my guts out to save up to come over here and I had no time for any production, um, he emailed me a couple of times and said, you know, make sure you send us some music. Two years later, I sent him an email and said he's still interested and he's like, yep, like still, you know, It's a season label. Yeah. And yeah, no, actually, you know what? You know what actually happened? I forgot this. He actually emailed me out of the blue and said, I saw that you're releasing music again. How come you haven't sent me anything? Oh, right, two years okay. later. So it was a really nice, it was a nice email to get. Right, yeah. Um, and then I, yeah, then I went away and I wrote a few things and then I emailed him back and he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sent it to you. Yeah, interested, yeah, cool. Sweet. Can bring it out in, uh, in June. So yeah, and then it was like anyone you want to remix it, just go for it. And we'll as long as 
as long as you're on board with it, we're on board with it. So there's a lot of trust there. And, right, wicked. Yeah. So well, Drum Complex, good, good up and coming producer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, did you hear his remix of uh, Marco Bailey? Have you had this? I'm not sure if I've heard that one. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Really cool. Good. Um, so yeah, he's he's definitely on the Alps. So that's a good chat. Yeah. He's just finishing off his album with that um, Roll Salmonic Salmonic. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're just on an album. So they're just putting the finishing touches on that. And then once he's finished that, then he's doing the remix for me. So that's what you want. Yeah. Hopefully, I haven't let the cat out of the bag and he turns around and says he's not doing it anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I look like a right. I've changed knob. my mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've had a few artists that do that. They kind of start doing a remix and they become popular and go, well, we can't do it anymore because yeah. we're, we're too popular. Yeah. <laughs> not in those words. Um, hello, napped. Um, so show wise um, I know you've got a few things coming up um, because obviously like you said you've taken a bit of a a bit of a time out from while you're getting your um, chefing career off the ground properly yeah Um, we're we're playing together in America yeah in Boise Idaho at the aesthetic eclectic aesthetic evolution oh evolution yes yeah. that's it and that's their final after 11 years that's their final festival that's going to be good that's going to be huge yeah. yeah that was one of that was one of the best gigs I've, I've played in a long time yeah well I played there two years ago yeah it was amazing it's really it's really cool it's a very good festival yeah, yeah. so it would be nice to close that shut it down yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah. That's uh, so you got that. Coming that up. That's a real honour though. That one to, yes. to get invited back for their final one. Yeah, they, they picked they all their it, guests. They put that. it to a vote, so the community that have all been there before they all voted for it. So it wasn't just someone turning around saying, "Well, let's get this guy; he's most popular." Like through releases or any of his yeah. gig schedule, like they've they've booked us on purely because that's who their punters want to come and see them play. Yeah. So that was really nice. It's yeah. very flattering. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, definitely. Yeah, I look forward to that. It's always fun when I travel with you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a bit of chaos. Yeah. Um, are you still on the um, no drinking wine? Um, uh, I spoke to your fiance and she said that, um, she has to, because I, I'm, I have to, <laughs> I've been, well, I've, I've stopped drinking um, by my choice, but, yeah. um, <laughs> um, but, wine um i just whenever i'm with you we always kind of have wine days yeah um are you still drinking on that level <laughs> like, like not, competition level no <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes we have a few uh a few lock-ins after work and have a few drinks but um yeah no we don't do the we don't do the competition drinking anymore right yeah <laughs> We've actually been actually been appreciating wine more oh. recently. Um, the restaurant that I work in, we have an all uh, natural wine list, which is very uncommon. Oh, really? Um, so, was well, that like ga- organic wine? Is or is it no what? sort of organic certification is a different thing. It's like right. the way it's farmed and then the way it's handled, and it's it's actually it's a different, thing. slightly different kettle of fish. The the natural wine is that there's no uh, in the fermentation process, there's no uh, unnatural things added to it to make it more stable. Um, oh, okay. So you get a more, um, it's more wild. So the fermentation's a bit wilder. You never quite know what you're going to get. 
So you get more flavor, but it's also a bit more volatile. So things can go wrong easily, but when they go right, there's the same thing we were saying before about the risk. I mean, you've got to take a big risk, but the payoffs are huge. Right. The flavor is really, really big, even on relatively young wine. Whereas traditional methods, um, generally, uh, you want to sell a wine, or depending on the style of yeah. wine, obviously. But usually, like, you know, the older wine uh, is, is worth a bit more. And whereas these, um, they're, the, the grape varieties are, are picked really specifically and the way the farming is done and then the fermentation everything it's usually all done by the one guy the farmer is usually the winemaker right okay um it's a, it's a very long topic probably way too long for for this interview but, but they serve specialist wine at your yeah restaurant. yeah and it's um and it's kind of just opened my eyes up to how good wine can be right and uh you don't have to go out and spend 500 quid on something that blows your mind you can literally get a 30 dollar bottle of wine it's like the flavors are just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, it's really cool. When I get back on it, yeah, <laughs> next, next week. <laughs> no, we're doing all right at the moment. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Um, where were we? <laughs> Digression. Uh, so we're talking about your shows. Um, you got Boise coming up. Um, yeah. I guess you're gonna um, slot in some more US shows. Around yeah, then. got some more things in the pipeline. Nothing's. Um, concrete yet just penciling a few things in possibly Miami um, possibly San Francisco yeah. I got some contacts in um, San Jose maybe LA as well so we'll just see see what unfolds watch this space then I guess with that mm-hmm. so um, is it possible to get um, a few stings off you before we wrap this up sure let's do it okay what are we on again? <laughs> <laughs> this is Matt Dopamine. This is Matt Catty. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what was really funny? I remember playing with um, Jay Cunning um, and Atomic Hooligan um, and Matt Cantor at, um, in Spain and they announced me and he said, Mick Catty, Jay Cunning, um, Atomic Hooligan. <laughs> and he said, and Matt Cantor from the Freestylers. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I'm sure, we'd all stand on stage and just wet myself. <laughs> that cunter. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. Can we get some stage yeah. <laughs> in a Spanish accent? Yeah. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> um, hold on. So what I'm going to say? This is Matt. Hi, this is Matt Goddard, aka Dopamine, on Meet Katie's Lowering the Tone podcast. Thank you, mate. Thank you. And that's it. Episode six in the bag. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. As always, uh, if you can get behind the show by sharing a link, retweeting, any kind of promo, it all helps.
My name's Elite Force, and you've been listening to Lowering the Tone. That's good. We'll end on that happy note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one died. Yeah. <laughs>